Namaste, yogis and friends. I'm Kino McGregor. And I'm Tim Feldman. And we would like to welcome you to Miami Life Centers podcast. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome. Thanks so much for joining my class here at Miami Life Center, which is our home studio. Um, these classes are a wonderful way to reconnect into not just the physical practice, but into that complete immersion in the philosophy, the theory behind the practice, the meditative mind, which is the mindset of practice, and then, of course, practice as well. So just so you know the format, we'll start off with the opening prayer, and then we'll have a short discussion and a meditation, and then a practice after that. So we'll probably use the full time from four to six, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, the other thing I wanted to say is I'm wearing this microphone thing because the talk and the meditation will be available on our podcast, which is called Chat and Chai. We don't have any chai for you today, um, but sometimes there's an event here called Chat and Chai where there's no practice. There's only talking and chai, which is also nice. Um, it's usually vegan chai, at least if I'm involved. Not about my husband, though. He's from Denmark. Um, they have a lot of milk products there. So, right. So let's get started with the opening prayer and really welcome to the practice. So if you'll close your eyes and bring your hands together and we'll let this opening prayer again initiate not only the space of practice but really the space and the paradigm of the heart, the student's heart, the seeker's heart. One day, Guru Nam, one day, Guru Nam, Charanada Vinde, Charanada Vinde, Sandarshita Swatma. Sukava Bode Sukava Bode Nishreyase Nishreyase Jangalika Yamane Jangalika Yamane Samsara Hala Hala Shantie, Moha Shantie, Abahu, Abahu, Purushakaram, Purushakaram, Shankachakrasi, Shankachakrasi, Darinam. Sahasra Shirasam Sahasra Shirasam Shwetam Shwetam Pranamami Pranamami Patanjalim
You can let your hands drop down and the eyes open for a moment. The beginning of every yoga practice is such an important time to reconnect with your deeper intention for practice. And no matter how long you've been practicing or how much you think you know about the practice, it's always important to check yourself, to check the attitude with which you bring to the practice. In fact, the longer you've been practicing, the more important it is to reconnect to what you could call the beginner's mind. The more that you know, and the more that you're invested in knowing, the harder it is to remain, well, open-hearted, you know? We get, we get hardness around the heart sometimes that is built with the walls of what we think is right and what we think is wrong. And then as our hearts get hardened, we kind of live in this box of our knowledge. And unfortunately, this is pretty much the exact opposite from the student's quests, which is always the essence of the yoga journey. So I really think it's important to begin each practice and really each day reconnecting to the innocence of mind, which is where we begin our yoga journey. So every yogi is on a path of initiation. And this is something that goes far beyond the poses and goes far beyond simply bending the body or lifting the body or, or really anything physical. The initiation that every yogi begins on is an initiation of the heart to change the paradigm from existing external into existing in an inner inner way to connect into the inner experience of not only the heart but also the spirit and this is something that it's important to remind yourself of again and again when you come back to the mat i'm here not to demonstrate my proficiency i'm here not to show how much i know or how good i am i'm here with an open heart just to practice and as i like to say to practice with all my heart and with all my soul and I think that's something to think about each time you come back. Because it can be so easy. For those of you, I know some of you are, are, are either in a teacher training, as you mentioned, or have been practicing for a little while. So then you may already come with the idea of, now I know what I'm doing. Here I am, and I have a good gear now. I have the right mat and the right leggings, of course, and the, you know, right, all of the right, the practicing at the right time, and we understand, I finally understand all the Sanskrit that begins the opening prayer, and so you feel like, okay, now I, I know what I'm doing. But that very knowingness is something that I would seek and encourage you to dismantle each time you come to the practice, because the knowingness itself is a kind of box, as I said before, that creates a hardness around the heart that prevents you from being open to the freshness and the spontaneity of each moment. When you come into your practice with an agenda, whatever that agenda may be, today I need to sweat, today I need to hit it real hard, today I'm going to get my handstand, today I'm going to do deeper backbends, or whatever it is that we're thinking, whatever that agenda is, that program that we're on, I encourage you to leave that program at the door as much as possible. So you come in with that true innocence of spirit that simply says, I'm here just to practice, whatever that practice is. This paradigm of innocent perception, truly perceiving what is without any previous inhibitions or any agenda allows you to rediscover yourself, 
fresh in each moment. And how amazing would it be to rediscover yourself fresh in each moment? Think about everything you've experienced in your life up until now. All what we could call traditionally in um, the, the traditionally in the Buddhist path, it's considered that life contains 10,000 joys and 10,000 sorrows. And this is a fact of life. So we think about your own 10,000 joys that you've experienced up until now. And think about your own 10,000 sorrows that you've experienced up until now. And think about, and remember for a moment, if you reflect on those joys, the part inside of you which tried to hold on to that joy. The new love that was experienced with the immediate thought of, well, when am I going to see you again? The feeling of a new friendship with, well, why didn't you text me back, you know? Or, you know, why did you unfollow me? Which is the new one that we get offended at, right? Um, so, and then think about all of the, what you could call the 10,000 sorrows. Think about the last time you were suffering. How much would you have given to make that suffering go away? Or the last time you stubbed your toe. Like, that's a sorrow that arises. It's annoying, you know? You stub your toe and here you are. Ew, it's a toe. It's, you know, throbbing now. And, and then you put in your mind to remember that that was the foot of the bed and you would prefer not to stub your toe there again, right? This is uh, something I do actually quite frequently because I'm traveling often and I end up in a new sort of bedroom and there are many new places to stub one's toe <laughs> when you change bedrooms often or your knee or other various body parts that can make an ill-conceived encounter with a hard object. Um, so we have those 10,000 sorrows that we carry around. So think about that for a moment and think about how each of those has colored your experience of yourself and colored your experience of your world. Your world, I mean, in the grand sense, yes, as in planet Earth and humanity and all of that, but in, in the small sense of your world, as in your friends, your family members, your inner circle. When we experience joy at the, in the company of people who are, in, who are in our inner circle, that colors us. It creates a proclivity to expect joy again from that person. But after we experience sorrow, pain, discomfort, argument from our friends and family, then that creates sadness in our hearts. So then now that's colored us and we carry that around with us like a wound. And imagine if we could be free of that. Imagine if you could truly discover yourself fresh in this moment without those wounds, without those attachments that expect those joys to be delivered to you like a promise made in the past. And imagine if you could just be free. Well, that's the promise of yoga, that that freedom is available for you, for every being, because none of that past is real, and none of the future has happened yet, so we don't know what it shall be. So the promise of yoga is built on the promise of true freedom, the idea that our seeking is built into the very fiber and fabric of who we are, the spirit, right? And the spirit is always fresh, our spirit, the divine spirit, the spark of the eternal within us, or what Sanskrit calls purusha, our true nature, that this is always fresh and new, that in fact, underneath all of what may be our surface wounds, we have never been harmed, and we could call this the undefiled human spirit, that it's in there somewhere. And the promise of yoga is that as you practice more, we have more time spent in that freedom, in that freshness, in that innocence, and less time spent in all of our wounds, and all of our pasts, and all of our attachments, and all of our knowledge, you know? And I think this is something that can really set so many people free to connect intimately, first with ourselves, and then with others, and then, yes, ultimately with the whole world. 
So we think sometimes that the journey of yoga starts off with a selfish desire. And I think that's true, that we start off with a selfish desire. How many of you started yoga because you wanted to do a headstand or a handstand or a backbend or you wanted to get more flexible? How many of you started yoga because your doctor told you that you should do it? Because I just talked to someone today that said that uh, they have a, 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 some sort of a digestive issue and their doctor prescribed them both pills and yoga practice. So. That was kind of amazing. So, but then it's a selfish reason, right? So why am I? You arrive to class and say, "Well, I'm here because I have pain, you know, in my in my digestive system, and I want that solved. I'm here because I have pain in my back, and I want that solved. I'm here because I'm interested in doing a headstand, and I want you to teach me how to do that." So those are all selfish reasons, you know. We come into that, but then yoga is a big trick, right? Because it sort of says, "Well, sure." We can get rid of that back pain, and sure, we can teach you how to headstand, but what you're going to have to give along the way is everything, right? Everything, meaning you're going to be a totally new person. You'll be completely reinvented. You will, at some moment, you know, change almost everything that you know about yourself, from the way that you speak, to the way that you inhabit your body, to the way that you feel, to the way that, most importantly, that you know yourself. And this knowledge of the self beyond those chains and bondages of thoughts which are rooted in the past and lean into the future, that knowledge of the self as emanating forth from a place of true freedom, well, this is the quest that each of you is on, each initiate on the path of yoga. This is what we initiate ourselves, what we begin each time we practice. Um, it's often said that the United States of America is the land of the free, and the home of the brave, if you remember the song, right? But the land of the free. And I've spent a lot of time thinking about what freedom is, because it's something that is very, you know, embedded within uh, particularly North American culture and the culture of the United States. So we have this idea of freedom. So we say we're a country that you know, embraces freedom, and yet each one of us is in our chains. We have chains in the mind, and we exist within these chains. Ideas that say we can't do this and we can't do that. This knowledge that we have has either been passed on to us through generations, family history, through cultural history, or through our actual history classes where we've learned what is acceptable and what is unacceptable behavior. And in this way, we live in chains. We live in chains of the past things that we've experienced, things that we've inherited, and here we are saying we're free. We're free to what? Pay our taxes, you know? We're free to what? Drive down the street, yes, wear whatever you want within reason in certain places. Um, and, uh, but is that freedom, you know? We could be dressing in a particular way, thinking that our ideas are unique in our own, when in fact they're a regurgitation of the past. And I'm sure that many of you have experienced cycles in your life where you thought that things were going to be different this time. Have you ever said that to yourself? I think it's going to be different this time. Let's just try it out. Whether it was a relationship, whether you dated the same person that kept treating you in the same way and kept giving them another chance, saying to yourself, well, maybe they really mean it. Maybe they finally stopped drinking this time. Maybe they're finally not going to cheat on me this time. Maybe they're finally going to return my texts this time. Maybe they're finally going to understand what it's like to be a real partner this time. And each time your heart was broken, what was it that made you repeat the cycle? 
Well, these are the chains from the past, the attachment to the particular outcome, the programs that we carry in our minds. So what I, I like to think about yoga as a chance to deprogram, a chance to unlearn, and a chance to be free. In traditional Sanskrit, we have this word called satya, and satya is the Sanskrit word for truthfulness. Truthfulness is a very delicate line to walk because immediately we think in a very kind of, you could say childlike way, that it simply means not to tell a lie. Well, very clearly, it, I think statistically, so that the average human being lies numerous times throughout every day. Lies that we tell that we just would rather avoid, you know, um, white lies that we tell, you know, well, what were you doing this morning? And you just don't want to say, so you make up something. I was practicing yoga. You know, <laughs> right? When you feel guilty that your yoga teacher asks, did you practice today? Yep. Yep, I did it. Yep. Yep. You know? Or the small lies that we tell when we don't really feel comfortable being vulnerable. I always think about this when I'm ordering something, you know, in a restaurant or I'm in a shop and I walk in and then the, you know, the, the, the person who's either the barista working at a coffee shop or, you know, the server working in the restaurant says, hi, how are you? And I'm like, do you really want to know? <laughs> like, do you really, you really, like, because we can talk, but I, I think maybe you just want to hear me say, I'm fine, how are you? And then take my order, you know? But, but it, it, so I feel like that was a lie. Each time I say fine, I think, well, that was a lie, you know? So I would encourage the definition of satya to go deeper than simply not telling a lie. For sure, we want to be impeccable with our word. And if you can avoid even telling those small little white lies throughout the day, I recommend you to do that. Now, as a, as a, as a sort of, as a sort of, foundation in the benefit of remaining truthful. If we look in Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, Patanjali says that by remaining truthful, by getting established in satya, then the yogi's speech has the creative power retained. So what this means is that it's another translation of this is once you're established in satya, then all that you speak must become true. If you cannot tell a lie, then what you say has the creative power to become true, even if it is not true yet, which is really powerful if you think about it. So all the work we spend doing, does any, anyone here do like affirmation work where you say positive thoughts over yourself? Do you try that, right? We all maybe have tried that. It's almost quite popular. It's not as, you know, it's not as you know, woo-woo as it was 30 years ago. You know, now it's something you can get on a download on iTunes. Um, so, you know, and we can hear it in the background music and little calendars and whatnot. So, you know, something's gone mainstream when it's commodified, <laughs> right? And uh, until it's commodified, well, then it's still a little on the fringes um, for good or bad, right? And, and, and so we think about that. We take truthfulness and let's apply it to the notion of affirmations. So here we are. And again, think about yourself being a, a, a being inhabited and very much defined by your past wounds and your past thoughts and living in that cage created by your self-experience predetermined by the past leaning into the future not present with the reality of self and into that matrix we begin to insert positive statements so here you are with all your past hurt and all your conflict and everything and then on top of that we begin to simply say I am peaceful do you think that's going to be effective 
And this is why we need the yoga practice, because we must truly become first peaceful. We must truly be honest with ourselves to recognize where we have not been peaceful. We must be en engaged in the effort of satya, intimacy with ourselves, so that we're able to be brave enough to feel all our pain, admit all our lies to ourselves, and all our untruthfulness to ourselves, to break those chains within ourselves before we can even conceptualize to be honest with others. We have to learn that honesty, fundamental honesty with ourself. And this is the work of yoga. We use the field of the body because the body, unlike the mind, cannot tell a lie. You can tell the world that you're not tired, but if your body is tired and it's exhausted, it will show. If you say that you feel wonderful, but your posture tells the story of sadness and depression, your body reveals its basic truthfulness. And this is why in the yoga practice we start with the body. It's your field of experience. And we come into the practice with the idea of cultivating true satya, which is innocent perception. We start off with the field of the body. Rather than coming to the practice with the idea of achievement, here I am and I need to do this pose, here I am and I need to get better at my forward bend, here you are and your purpose, your initiation is to just feel. Just feel. Be very real. If your body is tired, you feel tiredness. If your body is tight, you feel tightness. If your body feels light and free, you feel it, but you don't hold on to it. And like that, we begin to lay the foundation for a life built on true freedom. And this is, I think, a wonderful promise in the practice of yoga, to break those chains of the mind, to set the mind free from the past and from its inclination towards leaning into the future. And I, I think we, you know, as in, it's almost like we are engaged in a battle for whether, you know, which force is going to be victorious in our inner world. Are we going to continue to be enslaved in, in, in these sort of patterns of the past? Or are we going to be truly free? And, 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 and I think we need to, you could say, to continue the metaphor of a battle, we need to fight on many fronts. So we have the fronts of the body, and this is our work in asana. We have the fabric of our thoughts, which is the work of meditation. And then we have our emotions, which is in the realm of breath. And so this is how the yoga practice as a technique, as a science of awakening, really works. It seems simple until you try. <laughs> so on that note, let's try. All right, so let's start off with the tool of meditation the tool of posture, and the tool of breath. But how we'll use the breath right now is just to let it be natural. So I'd like you to take a comfortable seated position, and we'll begin with the meditation. Now, during the meditation, if at all possible, I would like you not to change your position. So please be comfortable as comfortable as possible. If you have any injuries, or you are sick, or have other physical ailments, feel welcome to lie down. I rarely say that, but I think it should be noted that it's not torture that we're trying to do here. So if you, if you are injured or have any physical ailments or, uh, or other medical reasons that you think it might be more comfortable to lie down, please feel welcome to do that. Otherwise, a comfortable seated position. 
And then we try not to change the posture. And this is an expression of stillness and an expression of discipline, which allows you to really walk that edge of the mind, which is, is going to bring up a little difficulty, but that's kind of why we do it. Okay? So find your comfortable seated position, one that you'll be able to hold without moving to the best of your ability. And then allow your eyes to close. Already as the body moves into stillness, attempts to maintain one position, already there is some hesitation perhaps, some difficulty, yet still see if you can surrender into the experience itself. Be aware of the body as a whole, the placement and the feeling of your legs, your feet, the body making contact with the floor. So just notice now with the mind, where is it that my body makes contact with the floor? You may feel the warmth of your body against the coolness of the floor, or you may feel the coolness of the body against what is the warmth of the floor. You may feel the weight of your body. You may feel its volume. Or you may simply be aware of the sensation of contact at all the places where your body touches the floor underneath you. Just inhabit that space for a moment. And remember, just feel. There is no right or wrong sensation. So if you find yourself noticing, my body feels heavy and I wish it were light, observe judgment of the body and simply observe heaviness. If you feel your body feels warm and you observe warmth and then you think, I wish I were cooler, observe again judgment, preference, and then return to neutral, Innocent perception. My body is warm at the place where it touches the floor. The anchor of connection, the place where your body makes contact with the floor, with the ground underneath you, helps encourage a sense of embodiment, bringing your mind into presence and into inner awareness. Once the mind fully arrives within the field of the body, a deeper level of perception is possible. So now allow your mind to be aware of the breath. Without controlling the breath at all, simply observe. I am breathing in as I breathe in. 
I am breathing out as I breathe out. In as I breathe in. Out as I breathe out. Now notice the place in your body where you feel your breath. Perhaps you become aware of your diaphragm, the belly, the torso, moving up and down, in and out. Perhaps you become aware of your ribcage expanding and contracting, the lungs themselves inside the body. Perhaps you feel your chest rising and falling, the shoulders rising and falling. The feeling of a tide moving in and out of the body. Perhaps you feel the breath inside the throat. Perhaps yet still you feel the breath in the back of the throat, around the nasal cavity, in the nostrils, around the rim of the nostrils, around the upper lip. Wherever you feel the breath, wherever the tactile, rooted sensation of your breath is. Rest your mind there for a moment. And as you breathe in, simply say, in. As you breathe out, simply say, out. Resting in the recognition, I am breathing in as I breathe in. I am breathing out as I breathe out and do the work. The work of training the mind so that if you feel the inclination for inner chatter, mental commentary, mind drifting away, judgmental thoughts, whatever arises, simply observe that it has arisen. Mind is gone. Mind is jumpy. Notice thinking, thinking, and then return your awareness to the breath. If you notice your mind has gone away and then you begin to generate animosity towards the mind, this is itself a knot, a wound of the past. It is the nature of mind to jump. So if you notice your mind is gone, if there is thinking, just observe, mind is gone, mind is thinking. And without any hint of judgment, just redirect your mind back to the breath. I am breathing in as I breathe in. I am breathing out as I breathe out. There may be sensations you become aware of as you feel the breath. You might be aware, I'm breathing deeply, the breath is deep. I'm breathing rapidly, the breath is shallow. You might be aware of the temperature, my breath feels warm or my breath feels cool. 
You might find it hard to breathe. Mm, I can hardly breathe. You might find yourself breathing deeply. I am breathing deeply. There is no right or wrong. Free yourself from judgment. Remain in the eternal, spontaneous present, the field of awareness which simply observes. The faculty of observation itself, rooted in the eternal spirit. Free your mind by concentrating on the breath. The anchor of the mind, rooted into the breath. This mindfulness practice trains the discipline of the mind into single-pointed focus, called in Sanskrit the Ekatattva state, the yogic state of mind. Whatever arises, let there be no right or wrong. If there is pain that arises in the body, your feet have fallen asleep, you decided you don't like this posture anymore. Just observe. These sensations have arisen in the body. I'd like to move, but then try not to. Come back to the breath. In, as you breathe in, out, as you breathe out. If you notice some emotions bubble up to the surface, whether positive or negative, pleasant or unpleasant, doesn't matter. Just observe. Happiness is present. Return to the breath. If you notice negative emotions, similarly, sadness is present. Return to the breath. Whatever arises, be very clear that it has arisen. Make no effort to push it away or to suppress it, but become intimate with a sensation in a state of non-resistance. Allow yourself just to feel. And in that feeling, experience freedom. Even if only for a moment the mind slips into a state of presence, that presence itself is enough. It is luminous and empty, resplendent. With the mind having a taste of its natural state, now bring your attention into the heart center, quiet space behind the sternum. 
It is often said that the two steps that we take along the path are equal parts of mindfulness and compassion. With only mindfulness, the heart may grow dull. With only compassion, the heart may be undisciplined. But with both together, we can almost fly. Bring the attention into the heart center in the now clear or more clear field of the mind. Plant the seeds of true peace and true happiness with the simple words, may I be happy. May I be peaceful. May I be free from suffering. May I be truly free. May my body be healed. May my mind be clear and see the truth. May my heart be open and filled with love. In the connection of the heart center, include all beings in this room, your fellow yogis, and everyone that may be listening on the future, in this podcast, everyone together who hears these words. May we all be happy. May we all be peaceful. May we all be free from our suffering. May our minds be clear and our hearts be full of love. May our bodies be healed. The same urge exists, the same righteousness exists in each sentient being. So for a moment consider the countless beings the countless living beings on the planet, all your fellow human beings, all the creatures, the animals, and all the beings in the spirit, visible and invisible, the countless limitless beings. May all beings throughout time and space, including myself, may all be happy. May all be peaceful. May all be friends. None are enemies. May all live in harmony. May all our bodies be healed. May we all be truly free. May our minds be clear. May our hearts be filled with love. Now bring your hands back together at the center of the chest. Through the heart center, feel your resonance. Your resonance with all living beings throughout time and space, visible and invisible, here present in the embodied world and in the spirit all human beings, all sentient beings, in an experience of intimate and infinite connection.
slowly you can let your hands drop down. Open the eyes quietly. Maintaining an equanimous mind, slowly start to change your posture as we make the transition from the meditative state into a more embodied state, you could say, to a more interactive state. If your feet have fallen asleep, please stretch them out and give them a chance to wake back up. And if it was very intense, you can lie down for a moment. Recognize that when you're working in meditation, you should not expect to be a good meditator. Right? It should feel difficult, and your mind should feel like it's jumping around, and you should feel like you're not succeeding, but you're working. And then the result of meditation pays off. Not so that you can come and sit and experience some divine bliss, although sometimes that does happen, but the benefit of meditation pays off in your life when you're less reactive, when you're less rooted in the past, and less hankering towards the future. So you should expect to come in and be quite bad at meditation. And then by setting the bar very low for yourself, I think it can be encouraging if even you stabilize the mind for a few moments. Okay? Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Chat and Chai with Kino. This is part of one of Kino's monthly classes at Miami Life Center, the lecture and the guided meditation that she gives before the asana practice. If you're interested in practicing with Kino at Miami Life Center, she does have some Mysore-style Ashtanga retreats coming up. Quite a few, actually. One in August of 2019, one in October of 2019, and then for 2020, she'll be doing one in February, in June, and then again in October. So these are six-day workshops where there's Mysore-style Ashtanga practice in the mornings, where you get individual attention, and you get to practice the sequence of Ashtanga Yoga at your own pace in a room with other practitioners also practicing the sequence. And in the afternoon, she'll go into some afternoon workshops, going into some strength or some flexibility or going into some more philosophical aspects of this practice and some meditative aspects of this practice. So they're really informative. I was just in her last one and I learned so much. There's so much to be learned and to come under a teacher like Kino who's really experienced this practice and has gone through the work and gone through this journey. Um, it was really inspiring. So if you're interested in joining her, or you want more information, you can check out our website, miamilifecenter.com and then go to the workshops tab and you'll find all of the information there. If you just want to stay in touch or you have any questions, you can reach out to us at Miami Life Center on Instagram or our email is info at miamilifecenter.com. Hope to meet you or hear from you very soon. Namaste.